Welcome to Van Lathan's The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Today's show, we have GLC, Chicago hip-hop legend, an incredibly bright man with all types of views for the community, not just in Chicago, uh, but for uh, the black community um, all over. Of course, if you know GLC's history, you know he is one of the original members, one of the original original uh, rappers to be a part of Kanye West's Good Music label um, and has worked with Kanye uh, hand in hand since the beginning of his career. I mean, they were in a group together back in high school. Uh, he wrote a lot of the early stuff. He has two Grammy Awards from working with Kanye West. So I don't know if there's anybody in the music industry who knows Ye better than GLC. Um, and for this, because of this, we attempt to decode some of these strange behaviors of Kanye West with GLC while he was he is here. We talked to him about the curious case of the MAGA hat. Um, we talked to him about uh, his beginnings with Ye and sort of how he saw uh, what was special about him um, from the beginning and how that led him to have his own career in hip hop and how it led him to stay sort of allied with Kanye West, loyal to Kanye West, despite the fact that sometimes it doesn't seem like Kanye West is, you know, allied with a lot uh, or or loyal to us. Um, GLC has an interesting perspective as to why he hasn't turned his back on Ye, and maybe that'll change your perspective. Uh, if you've decided that you can no longer listen to Kanye or that we have no more time for Kanye West. We talked to him about what's going on in Chicago right now. Um, and about how he's making strides to hit parts of the Chicago inner city that we don't really talk about, to reestablish the belief in themselves that a lot of kids in Chicago seem to have lost, and really kids all over the place seem to have lost, and how you do that. GLC has a blueprint to fixing his community, and I feel like those uh, lessons and examples can be sort of extrapolated out and used you know, all over places, explained really well, and then we can kind of uh, take them other places. Um, listen, this is a very, very insightful brother. Put your thinking cap on when you're listening to him. We're talking about a man that raps, uh, a man that did a little bit of hustling, um, and also someone who makes vegan food for Whole Foods. This brother is hitting the comedian every single way. He's feeding your minds, he's feeding your wallets, he's feeding your bodies. Um, I love talking to this man. I think that you guys are going to really enjoy this podcast. And I think that maybe some of you might come away with a different sort of impression um, of the current state of Kanye West after you listen to GLC talk about him. He also talks a little bit about Larry Hoover and why Larry Hoover is so important to the inner city of Chicago and how discussions between the Trump administration um, and people close to Larry Hoover might eventually lead to the release of that man. Very, 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 very in-depth podcast with GLC. We're going to get to it in a second. Uh, before we get to that, Larry Hoover is currently in jail. Okay, He's in jail in a Supermax facility uh, where they put big-time, I guess, infamous 
criminals, guys convicted of crimes. I just want to put something out there for everyone. Going to jail is not funny. Being imprisoned is not a joke, especially to black people. Okay? Now, we like to get our jokes off as a culture, and I'm speaking for all of us, which is something you should never do. But when joking about brothers losing their freedom, be very, very, very careful, and I'll tell you why. Some of my earliest memories as a kid were going to prison to visit men that I loved. My uncles on both sides, my dad's brothers and my mother's brothers. Cousins, friends of friends. It seemed like the idea that people go to jail for a very long time, stay in jail, send you pictures from jail and them doing them same four poses. That's what I understand. They go to jail and they do those same. Do they teach you those poses in jail? Like when they like and and also they have a lot of recreation in prison because I we get pictures and my uncle Mark, rest in peace, would always have won the prison basketball championship or the badminton championship or the volleyball championship. He had pictures of him like boxing, him with headgear on, and he got like he got his hands wrapped and stuff like that. My uncle Mark became the Deion Sanders of prison once he got to jail. I know the brother was a good athlete, but he participated in every sort of prison athletics that you could have, and he always won, and he always sent the pictures. Um, I say all this to say that I was intimately acquainted with the fact that your life uh, can be taken from you, and then you can get put in jail and lose a huge portion of your youth uh, because of crime. Now, I'm not saying that these men didn't deserve to pay a debt to society. I'm not saying that these men didn't do things that were wrong. But you love these people. Like, these are your family members. They talk to you on a different level. You see them. They're not just numbers. They're human beings. You get a sense of how someone who can have such genuine and pure love for you can find themselves in a situation where they're making poor choices, where they're doing things that hurt other people, and then their freedom is taken from them. So a lot of times for us, when we see gentlemen in prison, when we see guys in prison, we don't look at them as the worst and the worst of society. We don't look at them as guys who should be put in, in deep, dark rooms and never heard from again. We look at them as loved ones because we've had that experience. So if you're laughing at a rapper that uh, is about to lose his freedom, it hits home with us sometimes. If you're talking about men who are imprisoned in New York with no heat and below freezing temperatures, no lights, waiting around in incredibly dangerous circumstances, it's not easy for some people from my community to just be like, fuck it. They're criminals. Who cares? Because a lot of times those are brothers. Those are cousins. Those are fathers. Those are men that have made mistakes. 
Some of the men are going to atone for their mistakes. Some of the men are going to come back, come out and be worse than they ever were when they got in there. That's a fact, too. But they're people. So when you see us protesting because of the, the conditions inside of a prison, like what was going on up there in New York, shout out to my man Tax. When you see us protesting, it's because we still care about family, even when they've made mistakes. It's because we still care about people's lives, even when they're not going the right way. Because a lot of times, those men care about us. In the case of 21 Savage, I, I get how that was funny to some of y'all. I get how you guys look at a situation like that and it's Pip Pip Cheerio and it's 21 Savage from, from Great Britain and you're memeing them and you're doing all of that stuff. And that's fine. We're going to get these jokes off. I'm not the, the wet blanket. I'm not the hall monitor. Nobody should be that. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to somebody from our community, um, and I say our community, meaning this black experience who has uh, gotten out of it through his talent, through his story, and is now going to be put back into that system, reintroduced back into that same reality that my uncles, cousins, and some of my friends have to deal with, it's sad. It's sad. It's a sad situation. It's not anything to fucking joke about. It's not anything to have a good time about. Because now you're taking someone who has the opportunity to raise the consciousness, change the economic system, change the economic situation of the people where he's from by showing them success. Somebody who had the opportunity to build a new legacy for himself and his family, potentially getting slapped with that same fucking number that my uncles got slapped with. So to a lot of us, if you joke on that and you're not from this and you don't understand that, the consequences are going to be severe. You're going to get joked on back. And one thing about my community that I love is we don't mince right words. We don't fuck around. When these jokes is coming, they come in a mile a minute. And they're going to hit you where it hurts. In my crew, there was something called the low blow, right? It's like you joke on my hair. And then I go, yo, nigga, that's why your brother got herpes. That's the way we would do shit. Now, I don't think that that's like a good way to do it, but we would go straight to the heart. We would cut you to the core. And that's how things are out there. So for me, I want to see a couple of things happen. Number one, I want to see less brothers fall victim to criminal activity. Of course, we would all love to see that. I want to see brothers who have fallen victim to criminal activity dealt with. I want to see people pay for their crimes because paying for their crimes is the only way that we're going to set a standard within our own communities about what we expect from one another. But I want to see human beings treated like human beings at all times. If you care enough about people to feed them while they're out of jail, you should care enough about people to feed them while they're in jail. If you care enough about people that they don't go cold, uh, that they don't, they, don't, they don't freeze to death while they're out of jail, you should care enough 
about uh, their warmth and comfort while they're in jail. Because you don't want a system where they come out saying that society said, fuck them, because those are the same guys that will look back at the face of society and say, fuck you. Love, rest in peace to my Uncle Mark, one of the greatest prison athletes of all time. You know, it's funny, like Uncle Mark came home in like 95, and I'm like, yo, man, this dude is old, whatever. Uncle Mark played me one-on-one basketball, whooped that ass with his left hand. His left hand. This nigga was doing like Hakeem Olajuwon shit to me. He was like, it, it was weird. Like, how do you learn how to, like, how do you get, I, they don't have drills in prison, right? There's not like a skills coach. Cause like he, like I could play at this point, right? And he comes out and he's like giving me the game. And he goes, yo, you ever see like when, when, when Ewing gets somebody on the block? I'm like, nigga, how do you know what Ewing does on the block? They got the, the NBA uh, uh, prime pass ticket in, in Angola. How you why how do you know what Ewing does? You ain't seen no Ewing. I love you, Uncle Mark. I miss you, man. Um I know that you were a good man. All right, well, I'm not gonna cry on my own fucking podcast. Uh all right, pop some pills, let's get to GLC. Let's do it. This is a very, very interesting podcast right here. Very interesting. White people in the room, do me a favor. Clap for hip hop legend. Clap for GLC, please. Always gotta make the white people clap. Me and GLC actually have a little bit of history. We 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 kick it, we chop it up over the phone. It's our first time actually meeting in person. But um, on the hills of sort of my history with your man Ye, I had reached out to you and we had talked, and you were one of the first people that kind of acted like acted like a voice of reason to like talk to me and kind of get my whole hair right in that entire situation and not even get my hair right just to offer a little bit of wisdom on that and talk about not only that but you know some other things that you guys been doing in Chicago we're going to talk about a lot of stuff on this podcast we have to discuss that because people are talking about that but we're also going to talk about something that you um hit me to which are a lot of the misconceptions about that people have about the state of Chicago right now and some of the things that you're doing there. But I want to start on Kanye and I'll tell you why. There's no one that I've ever met that has anything bad to say about you. There's no one that I've ever met that says, yo, GLC doesn't mean what he says. He's not this, he's not that. Um, Everyone that I've talked to about you 100% 100% solid. So that means something that I always see you and people like John Legend next to Kanye West. This is y'all man. Yeah. That means something. The question I would ask you is, is it hard being next to Kanye West now? Is it hard? Yeah. Well, uh, man, my inner peace is A1. I don't even believe in hard. It ain't nothing complicated. Mm. Especially when you are a man of understanding. When you understand certain things, you understand what a person is going through, like mentally and like stress-wise and this and that. And then you understand that uh, oftentimes than not, man, we are simply the sum total of what we are around. You know, we are um, products of social learning theory and influences. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, man, uh, when you're not around, 
there's other people around that may influence, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with so many different things at once, man, it's hard to just primarily focus on or even know what's the most important thing to focus on. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a place of, um, you know, stress or uncertainty, man, that's when the opportunists, they pop up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they offer you advice. It seems as if it's coming from a pure place, but it's all about whatever their intentions are. Their agenda. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel you on that. Do you, so for people right now that are like, fuck yay, we don't fuck yay with it, we yay anymore, cancel yay and stuff like that, what are they missing? What don't they see? Oh, well, man, like if we take it back to, well, I know that it's a lot of guys coming home now. The prison reform piece went through. Work. And it's a lot of nonviolent offenders that's home. I know, I know a lot of them that's home now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing that we did make progress with that attempt to prison reform and bring home nonviolent offenders. A lot of people came home off of that. Yeah. Uh, another thing is uh, about the first step bill, and then just the work that he's done that him and Kim have done with people like Van Jones and stuff like that. Individual of that. Absolutely. Yeah, besides that stuff. Absolutely. Well, I'll just say that that's one of the things. Another thing is uh, we are working on restoring the Regal Theater back in Chicago. Okay. So, Tell us a little bit about that. So it's a legendary uh, landmark on the south side on a 979th Street. Uh, it's a theater that is like Chicago's version of the Apollo Theater. Okay. All the top headlining acts throughout the world have performed there at some point in their career, like starting in the 60s or 70s maybe. Right now... Um, the building was on the verge of being like taken by the city because the owner, you know, situation or whatever was going on there. Uh, I took Kanye and Kim to come check it out. They saw it, they loved it, and they put put up the bread to save it. And now it's in a uh, position of being restored. And with it being restored, that's going to bring like. 200 jobs to that community mm. and that community is very dear to me because man i lived in that community Word. you know so it's really good that like a lot of times when big artists come to chicago most of the revenue is like downtown like okay. at the the bigger venues or like the united center so this is a, a venue that's pretty big i think it holds like maybe three to four thousand people it's black owned and it's going to create jobs within the community for people that live in that community. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so but, it's basically your answer to that question is what you're saying is that despite what we see and despite some of the antics that we see and despite some of the Trump stuff and things like that, that Kanye is doing a tremendous amount of good. Oh, yeah, because see, the thing is, I man, but I, I, I told him I kind of like I warned him. I told him I said, hey, man. Now, we locked in. You see what I'm doing in this city? You see what my perspective is and what I'm about? I said, I see that you are in a place where you want to do something. So I'm going to, if you travel with me, we're going to go down this avenue and we're going to do it together. And he was 100% with that. 100% in. But the thing is, I can't begin to uh, explain or even understand the the whole thing with the hat. I know that everybody like, yo, the hat, the hat, the hat, that's crazy here, wear that hat. My thing is, I'm in a place of understanding where I know that um, that has a lot of memories tied to it, the hat, you know, Mm -hmm. because the first time when we saw Make America Great Again, crack came, uh, mandatory 
prison sentences this came. A, this was under Reagan. This was under Reagan. Yeah. So I saw a black family. People forget that Reagan. Was, Reagan said that first, and then went and it kind of ripped and tugged at the fabric of our communities way, way before Trump even got in there. Absolutely, yeah. and I, I really couldn't take it. Even as a kid back then, you know, I saw Reagan on TV and this and that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the president. But at the same time, he was doing business with apartheid. Right. So it's like anybody who had. And then, you know, his wife was saying, just say no. But crack was coming in at an alarming rate. So mm -hmm. it just really didn't make sense. Right. I felt like we had been bamboozled. Mm -hmm. So when you see that again, it's like, oh, you ain't finna get us again. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Ye, I was like, look, man, all the positive shit, that's A1. But if you wear that hat, your message will get lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. 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 So now, though, I guess... The, the the reason why a lot of us are so emotionally invested in this is because we've talked about this on the podcast you know before is that like for a long time Kanye West did the work through his art mm -hmm. and um in terms of making us believe that he was our voice and like we gave him this big huge uh socio-political gun yeah. uh we gave him this big huge weapon um, this inspiration weapon that he would use. Like, you, if you listen to the lyrics, you go back and listen to the old stuff, you actually get moved because of the stuff that he was talking about. He was challenging the government. Absolutely. You know what I mean? How you stop the Black Panthers, Ronald Reagan gave us the answer. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, like he he was challenging them. Uh, uh, Magic Johnson got the cure for AIDS, but all the broke motherfuckers passed away. Like, he was challenging the government on a bunch of different things. Yeah, um, yeah. And then it seemed like he's with them now. I'll tell you, man. It, it seems like now he goes into the office of the worst president we have. It's very hard not to love Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. It's exercise yeah. to not love Kanye West because we've spent so much time loving him, yeah, right? Yeah, it's hard yeah. to do it. You hear, I hear good life, I automatically get happy. Absolutely. Don't matter what's going on. Absolutely. Don't matter. I used to use that song for therapy. I used to like, I had, I had like an anxiety issue. I used to put that song on to make myself feel good. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now it's like, fuck, man. Is this life? Yeah. And so knowing that people feel that way and they're not emotionally involved, is there any way to get him to take the fucking hat off? Well, I, <laughs> I actually got all the, all the hats. I, I, he actually gave me the boxes of the hats. He said, I'm never wearing these again. We mm -hmm. had a conversation. I explained it to him, you know, the hurt that was attached to it. Yeah. And he said he'll never do it again. And that's the mm -hmm. word that he gave me. Yeah. And when I, was this? This was um, maybe like a few weeks back. Okay. Yeah. Also, um, I'm looking at it like from his perspective, I would say that this is something that he said to me. He was like, bro, I'm just telling you that, you know, that we got that amazing woman out of jail in Florida, right? Mm. And I was like, yeah. He was like, man, we didn't really get to have that meeting until I put the hat on. So mm. he looking at it as more so of, okay, I wear the hat, I get the stones thrown at me, I have people hating me, but people gonna get free. So mm. he's like, I'll be the sacrificial lamb. My thing is, I truly believe that it could still happen without, without that. Without the hat. But Kanye is very headstrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know where his heart is. I know he means well. Mm -hmm. I know that he wants to uplift people. I know that we did meet with Adidas about bringing factories to Chicago That's to, amazing. to make clothes and shoes and employ people. I know that uh, we seem to have uh, good interaction 
with uh, the administration as far as uh, getting Mr. Hoover out of jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and We're going to talk about how important that is in Chicago a little bit later. Yeah. Sure we yeah, and freeing the political prisoners all across the country, man. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, like, if you know me, you know that I really do this. Like, this is where my heart is. I helped open the first open enrollment arts high school in the history of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I, I did the first landmark sign for the You never community. left. You've been there. Yeah. I, I mean, I left to do business, but I always kept my feet planted in the soil. I mean, from the community standpoint, oh, like yeah, you yeah, always yeah. put the resources and your energy into making your community better. Man, my, my brother taught me. His name was Quasi Ronald Harris. He was like... What does it benefit a man to rise if his community is left behind? Mm. You know, that doesn't mean that you can go through and just give people money or, you know, uh, pass out things to them and this and that. My whole thing is about building institutions. I want to uh, focus on opening uh, institutions that will live past me that will always be beneficial to my people and my mm-hmm. community. Yeah. And right now we got the uh, homicide rate down uh, from last year. Well, from 2017 to 2018, it went down 23%. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, but it's the truth. You know what I'm saying? That is amazing. White people clap for that. Uh, <laughs> clap for the homicide rate going down. Yeah, it did go down, man. And then it's like God, man. through the schools and also through the A. Philip Randolph Portman Porter Museum. It's an institution that was founded by a black woman in 1995 who took a tour through this community called Pullman. Mm. And they was like, man, it ain't nothing about black people, nothing to talk about. She was like, but this Chicago, I know black people had to be involved in this some kind of way. So she did her research and she found out about the Pullman Porters. Mm-hmm. The Pullman Porters were the brothers that worked on the trains. Sure, yeah. And they made the money, you mm-hmm. know. And at one point, they only got paid from tips. But the money that they made from tips was enough for them to be balling out of control. Right. But they felt like, man, we don't got no union. It's nothing protecting our rights. So they went and hollered at this brother by the name of Asa Philip Randolph, or A. Philip Randolph. He became the head of the uh, Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, which was the first black labor union in the history of the world. And it was started by a brother, you know? And a lot of those poor importers, they lived in Chicago. They took care of their families. So she bought a building there and just turned it into a museum, man. So it's like a historical site, right? Mm -hmm. In a community that was called the Wild Hunnets. You know what I'm saying? And through that spot, uh, we've employed several youth along with After School Matters, teaching them about black labor history, how to be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a podcast from up out of there, teaching them about production. And just, man, it'd be phenomenal. Right. And it's working. Kids you know, go through that and they're in college now, you, you know? know? But, and you know what the importance of that is? Yeah. Is that the importance of that is, is that as important as it was for Obama to be the first black president, Yeah. firsts are important. But also second, thirds, fourths, and fifths are important. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Yeah. It's important that black people, black youth know that all of the sort of barriers and the um the the challenges that they have now, people have beaten them in the past for them. There have been guys that have said under much more trying racial times than we live in right now, at least overtly, we're gonna build a union. And they did these things and they accomplished these things. Now, whether or not a system came down and burned those things down, something we can't let happen anymore, 
people have succeeded before you. Absolutely. You have a lineage and a legacy of success. If you succeed now, you'll be fulfilling a promise by people who succeeded before. Absolutely. And sometimes we're made to believe that we come from a long line of failure, torture, murder, degradation, and all of those things. Now, while there's been that, of course, there've also always been black people who have been exceptional, excellent, um, inventive, uh, and all different types of adjectives that you can use just to mean fucking great. And when yeah. you have a museum that shows that, that instills that into kids, they know that they come from something amazing. And so amazingness and godliness is inside of them, and all you got to do is access it and not create it. You know Absolutely, I mean? man. That goes back to uh, what was written on many of the temples in ancient Kemet before you enter. Oh, here, here comes y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, yeah. hey. here we come. <laughs> hey. GLC, listen, I've been on the phone with him before. <laughs> GLC, we're about to get deep now. Hey, man, it just simply said, man, know thyself. And to know thyself is to simply know the God force that dwells within you. Mm. Once you Give it to him, him one more time. Man, know thyself. And to know thyself is to simply know the God force that dwells within you. Mm. You are the temple. You are the vessel of the creator as well as the ancestors. You allow yourself to be a vessel. You entomb spirituality with the creator. Then guess what? You naturally inherit the ability to create. Mm. Prior to uh, slavery, not just from the Europeans, but also from the, Ara the Arabs, there were... Um, pyramids built there were monuments being built they still stand today there was a huge level of prosperity for our people and you often hear people say man we come from kings and queens yeah we do but not everybody was a king or queen you mm -hmm. can't the whole society can't be kings and queens yeah that's something that my, my, yeah. my brother brought that up <laughs> yeah, back you, in 91 my brother was like we come from kings and queens but we also come from farmers and, and, architects, and architects, astrologers, and scientists, yes. and all of those yes. things. Yeah. And all right. these are, right. are needed all, in order... All, all integral to the community, yeah. It's all needed in order to have a high society. Mm -hmm. You have to have people that are able to do everything. Mm -hmm. And we did. We did it all. So what we're looking for now when you see people say, man, we got to get unified as black people and this and that, this is a rare time for us because if you look at Africa with all 54 countries and all the different ethnicities and all the different languages, that's not new. It's mm -hmm. been like been that. that. Yeah. So different ethnicities from different regions, they may have never came across one another may have never came in contact with one another or they might have been at war with one another mm -hmm. just off of their different beliefs so now we're in a time where you uh take people from all these different regions you bring them together and then it's just supposed to work mm. they don't even speak the same language mm -hmm. they don't even have the same beliefs mm -hmm. you know and you just want it to all fall in line and that right there was calamity in itself and then you think about being a man all throughout the continent of Africa it was three P's it was to protect to provide and to procreate that's what made you a man mm -hmm. then you come over here and you might be chained up while your son is being sodomized right and this is just society. This is just normal. It's the norm. You might be hungry. Your lady might be hungry. And she like, man, I'm hungry. Then you got to go holler at somebody else to get some food. Mm -hmm. And then he might be like, yeah, you can go get some food. But your lady got to come in here with me. Right. This shit fucked us up, man. Yeah. This like. It, and it didn't last five, ten years, five years, ten years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. 
it was generational. generational. It lasted hundreds of years. This is 1619. This is 400 years later. Yeah. This year, right now. Mm -hmm. 400 years later from when the first ship docked on the shores. Right. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, things like that have, well, I won't say have never been addressed, but I know while I was in school, I wasn't taught about, I was taught that, yeah, they was raping our daughters and our wives, and that was horrible. But they never even mentioned that they was raping our men and our boys, too. Yeah. This right here, man, this causes, like, you know, a mental eruption. Mm -hmm. it, it, I would use the term crazy. It can make people crazy. Yeah. And if these issues have never been addressed, you're dealing with mitochondrial DNA, which stores memory. Mm -hmm. It stores things that you are attracted to, things you stray away from, and we all have it. So with that being said, without this ever being addressed, and then in Illinois, we had a governor just he just got out of office, but he shut down most of the mental health centers in the state. Mm -hmm. We dealing with this. Right. And then you flood the market with drugs. Right. And I never thought I would see the day where it would be cool to be addicted to drugs as a teenager. That just kind of happened. I mean, to be I yeah. mean, I mean, to, to, to be real with you, uh, that just just one day it happened one day. Drug culture has always been a part of of, of hip-hop culture being that there have always been guys that rapped about selling drugs At least after a certain point early on it wasn't but the glorification of being on dope I Don't it just it's one day. It was just cool. Like I'm it was just cool to be on Molly It was cool to be on perks. It was cool to be on Xanax. It was cool to always have your mind away from and on something else and I'm like Yo, man, that's like that was always a sign of weakness when I was coming up. And not saying, by the way, that if you're a drug addict, that you're necessarily weak. I'm just saying the romanticized part of this is something that just one day that's the way it was. Bro, and the thing is, it's a uh, slow death. It's genocide. It's suicide. But it's a slow procedure. I mean, I had a homegirl. Her name was Henny B. She was popular in Chicago on the rap scene and this and that. And I wasn't there, so I don't truly know what happened. But mm -hmm. from friends in the on in the scene, they was like, it was pills, man. Mm -hmm. And she did. Beautiful young lady with a beautiful career ahead of her. Mm -hmm. And she did. I look at Speaker Knockers. He was one of my oh, favorite man, rappers, bro. favorite he producers. Was cool, yeah. He just like they found him dead, yeah. That fucked me up, man. So it's like you look at the stories of Pimp C, you look at the stories of DJ Rest in Screw, peace, Pimp C, man. and everybody who went out off of drugs, it's like, if it's some shit that you could possibly die from, or just me thinking, if I know that I could possibly die from the shit, I just don't want to do it, because I really I, I, enjoy why you, living. Why you feel like brothers don't feel that way about alcohol, though? Alcohol kills you quick. Well, well it kills you slower, but kills you just as bad. Well, coming from somebody who ain't had no liquor since 2010. I'm the, 2010? Yeah, I'm the perfect person to ask. You know what I'm saying? You ain't, had, you, ain't, you ain't had a sip of Hennessy since 2010? I ain't had the desire. Damn. Yeah. I you ain't had, had no... Damn, GLC. Hey, man, but I keep the good green, man. I'm out here in Cali. I feel you. That's you true, know what bro. Saying? You don't need the Henny because you got the green. Hey, man, I got partners with a farm up north, Doc's family farm, and we about to, <laughs> hey, we about to do some things down here. Let you me ask you something saying? real quick before we yeah, get into that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your history in hip-hop a little bit. Yeah. Um, anyone who really knows hip-hop or knows hip-hop even casually knows who you are. Yeah. Um, but we talked extensively about we talked about Ye to start this. Explain to people listening to this podcast 
um, just how instrumental you've been in the success of good music um, and the success of really, to be honest with you, really hip hop of the last decade because Kanye West and what you guys are doing over at Good completely changed the sound of hip hop, yeah. completely changed the way people rap and your pen and your talent was a major part of that. So let's kind of start, just do a little bit, do your Googles on um, on GLC. Oh man, so yeah, I am one of the founding members of Good Music, you know what I'm saying? I was there at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Even prior to then, I was in a group with Ye back in the day called The Go-Getters. You know, we mm -hmm. made it to the Source magazine. We was on the radio in Chicago. Lady Rate went sky high, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it really elevated your Mac and profile, you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right, 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 right. Um, Ye and I, we were, were really good friends at a really young age, you know. Uh, we came from similar but different backgrounds. Explain that. The similarities was his mom was about the people, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. My family, my brother, about the people. Uh, music, my father was a DJ. She, he just had records all throughout the house at all times, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he go to his crib, it's records all over the house, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? His mom was really into music. Yeah. So those were a couple things. Uh, I love for women. We were very young and yeah, yeah, we yeah. just felt like women was just like, right. Everything, you right? Know. Still do, you know what I'm saying? Right, Shout right. out to y'all women. We proud of y'all. <laughs> uh, uh, man, uh, what else? Uh, the music, basketball, it was a few things. But I, I grew up in a. Can you hoop? He could back in the day. I really don't know where his skill set is right now. <laughs> but I know back in the day, he he was pretty decent. He could hoop. Yeah. Of all the rappers. Cause he had a big head, so it, like a literally <laughs> big head. So he'd do a little head move, and, and you'd be think, like, "Oh shit!" Thing, and he'd cross you and go the other he'd be way. Like, "Yo, man, yeah. he got to be going this way. That head is yeah. going this way." And all of a sudden, boom! Yeah, he'd do that to you. Yeah, yeah. So, so it. then you guys um, start making music and start taking music seriously. Like, yeah. when did you start taking it seriously? Man, we started taking it serious in high school. We mm -hmm. thought that we was finna get on. You know what I'm saying? Wu Tang came out just to show how old we is, and we was mm -hmm. like, "Damn." These dudes is on. They got really big Timberlands on. You know what okay. I'm saying? Bro, I did not know I had these in my ear the whole time. That's that. You AirPod. You AirPod. That's what happens to these AirPod. You AirPod. You AirPod cult niggas is different. I'm telling you. I, I, people at funerals with AirPods in their ear. Hey, man, I was people tweaking. doing. I'm telling you. People doing all. People fucking with AirPods in their ear and all Forgive me you, for my tweet, you man. You AirPod cult people. Are different. Take the AirPods yeah, out of church, yeah. man. I'm telling you. Yeah, um, man. So, uh, yeah, we, we we started rapping together, man, at the lunchroom table at Simeon. That's where my passion really grew because in grammar school, I had won a couple talent shows. And, okay. And I was getting free chocolate milks. I was getting... <laughs> Hey, the ladies was treating me real good, man. They was right. bringing me like Skittles to school, like yeah, treating yeah. me so nice. I was like, You was up there on some Run DMC shit. Ma, I, uh, <laughs> I, I felt good off that, you know what right. I'm saying? So I was getting chose. So that pulled over to high school. I'm at the lunchroom table every day, just rapping. Mm -hmm. And I'm like winning rap battles. And then one of my buddies, he came to the neighborhood. He went to high school with me. He had a real bogus haircut. He had a thick ass part about this thick in this shit, right? This thick? It was about this thick. It was By a the part. way, if you for y'all not for y'all listening and not <laughs> watching, shit, like, the part dude. is like four inches thick right there. Yeah, that was supposed to be a part. So right. in my mind, it was a patch. I thought Buddy had a patch in his head. <laughs> I'm like, man, who put that motherfucking patch in your head? He was like, man, it's a part. He was like, man, my man Kanye did it. 
I said, Kanye fucked the dude's hair Kanye up? Kanye was cutting hair back then. <laughs> and he, he was kind of decent at cutting hair, right. but this day just was a bad day. You right. know what I'm saying? Buddy came around with a like a pond in this shit, you know, a patch. Yeah. And I'm looking like, damn, I asked him, did he have a tetis? Now, tetis is some shit people used to get in their hair like a wig worm. So they used to have to put white cream on their shit and it'll leave <laughs> patches in this shit. So right. I thought he had tetis. Right. He was like, no, nah, this ain't no tetis. He was like, Kanye cut my shit. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is a Kanye? I never heard that kind of name before. I'm All like, right. what is that? He was like, man, that's my man. He made beats too. You should get up with him. Mm. I was like, for real? He made beats? Well, maybe your part ain't that bad. You know, that's a, that's a decent part and shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm like 15. Mm -hmm. So we go get up with him. And man, we just, man, it just was a spark. Was that like, did you like hear something that go, yo, this is ill? I heard the beats when I got there. He was 15. Just on an ASR keyboard, just playing this shit with his big head. Like, <laughs> just in it. Like, all you seen was this, you know? Yeah. And he was just doing that shit. And, and, it, and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I was at that at 15, I was every hip hop album that was out, I had it. Mm -hmm. I knew the bootleg, man. I had all the tapes, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it was like, damn. And then when I heard this, I was like, yo, this is something special. Yeah. I'm 15, and I knew they, that at 15, he was special. That he had something special, man. Yeah. And it's crazy because you know that um, nowadays, one of the biggest sales pitch that I get from like parents or uncles or cousins is, man, my son's 16, but he make beats. Mm. Every 16 year old make beats, beats now. They started making them. I know my friend Errol Star, he got it taught Kanye how to rap. He, he got a nine year old son mm -hmm. and he makes cold ass beats. They don't just make beats though, it's they make the beats. They rap. Yeah. Then they shoot the videos. Then they edit the videos. In the living room on the couch. Right. And then they upload the videos. It's crazy. And then man. like it's like and then they make merch yeah. to sell along with the songs. One these stop shop. Uh, these kids yeah. are really amazing now. Amazing. Sure. Cause they do everything that you once needed a label to do. Yeah. They do it right in their living room. Mm hmm And I commend them. So then you guys, the, the the you guys have the group. Yeah, I guess things must have not worked out with the group. The group disbanded, or what happened with the group was uh, we was managed by this dude named John Monopoly, Don C. And then we had a this buddy. dude named that's a flex. We know John Monopoly. Oh, okay. We know Don C. That's a flex. Oh, I was the, the, hey, man. Flex. This dude hey. named <laughs> Don, John Monopoly, Don C. Shout out to John Monopoly yeah, and Don yeah, C. Yeah, I love y'all, man. Yeah. So, look, they was managing us, and then they had a guy who worked at radio. His name was Happy Lewis. Mm -hmm. He was plugged with the radio DJs, and yeah. then DJ Ferris, Timbuktu, Von Woods, V-Dub. It was a lot of DJs that got behind our movement. Mustafa Rocks, Twilight Tone. And due to the fact that Monop was uh, uh, managing nightclubs at the time and was a party promoter, we would be teenagers in the club getting our record played, getting our lady work, going sky high. So we was winning. Then <laughs> we ended up getting getting on the radio. It was this DJ named Mike Love and the Diz. They put us on WGCI, and we had Song of the Summer in Chicago. Word. That was everything, man. It had to be. We were Song of the Summer in Chicago. This was like... 99, 2000. Mm -hmm. So that was real sweet. So What was for, that song? It was called Oh, Oh, Oh. And then it was another one called... How'd it go? I never heard that joint. It'd be like, Oh, 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 Oh. Why these niggas want to hate me, man? Oh, Oh, Oh. okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, real old, real yeah, yeah. old. So yeah, that happened, you know. And then we got flew out by a few labels to New York. I was frantic as hell. It felt real nice. But none of the deals went through. Mm. So we all came back to Chicago. At the time, I was working in the mall at this store called Alart. 
all the street people in Chicago was in there all the time. So right. it was perfect for me because I was a little bit in the streets too. So I it was perfect. You. Good yeah. job. So that went smooth. And then Kanye was pretty much like, man, I'm finna just focus on these beats. He yeah. focused on them beats. And you know, them. people like people don't know. People think people think that he started making beats and then one day decided, yo, I'm a rap. Nah. But he, he always rapped. He only started making beats because he liked to rap. Because he wanted to be a rapper and he couldn't afford nobody beats. He didn't know no producers. Mm -hmm. This is when he was a kid. Yeah. Because he was doing talent shows in grammar school too. Mm. So he was like, man, I want to be a rapper. I guess I got to make some beats. Mm. So that's what that was all about. Mm -hmm. yeah. So then he starts focusing on the beats. At this point, where's your rap career at? Like, what are you doing? Are you? Or did you kind of get deeper into just working and kind of dabbling in what you said you was dabbling in? Or did you, what, what, where were you at at this point? Well, I did it all, man. I went and got me a, a VS-880. It was a Roland. It was a, a digital recorder. This was before Pro Tools. Mm. And I was just at the crib right. recording songs every week, sending them to Kanye while he was in New York because mm -hmm. he was in New York. He was the plug. Yeah. And uh, when he'll get the songs, he'll be like, yo, I like this, I like this, I like this. And what we'll do is, uh, due to the fact that he was there, I would just tell him, whatever you want out of whatever I send you, take it. It's yours. Right. Run with it because you the one that's going to get us in the door. Yeah. So I was just sending them records every week. Mm. Like every Friday I'm mailing This is before MP3s So right. I'm going to FedEx Sending him CDs Every Friday right. And it will have At least anywhere From three to ten songs On it a week On mm -hmm. top of working a job On top of macking On top <laughs> of having a lady And on top of being In the streets right. I was still doing the music Grinding So Did you ever he Did you hear any of the stuff That you that He was using the ideas Oh yeah Yeah All the time and it was cool because yeah, it was there was the way the way it was y'all creative process. Yeah, we were a system, yeah. a team. You know what I'm saying? And he ended up selling beats. Man, he got one on uh, Jermaine Dupree with Nas. Mm -hmm. It was an album called Life in 1492 or that's something. A, that's a classic album, bro. Kanye was on that album. I don't remember which joint. The, what the first fuck? song with Nas rapping. That, Kanye did the beat. You. Fuck, I never knew that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sound like a hip hop newbie to somebody. I used to jam that that album all the time. That's the one with that Usher joint on there. Yeah, yeah. You know, the party all the time. I do remember it. Yeah, they, like, like, yeah. like. I, I didn't know Kanye. That's early. I didn't know Kanye was on that album bro, at all. He bro. was on that. He was working with Lil Kim. He mm -hmm. worked with Junior Mafia. He did some shit for Mace. He did some shit for Eminem. Mm. Like this was in the late '90s. Right. But then he got the truth. Turn it out. Yeah, Nas. The Truth Beat was the first one that I knew from that. That's the first Kanye. That's the earliest Kanye West beat that I could really remember was the Truth Beat. Well, the reason that you probably don't know about the other ones is because of uh, he was signed to uh, Crazy Cat. It was this dude named D Dot Derek, Derek Angeletti. Angeletti. That's who Kanye was signed to. And he was doing ghost production for him, basically. Well, Kanye was doing what he was doing, <laughs> right. but Kanye was signed to him. Right, so right, right. It'll be like uh, it'll it'll say like uh, co-produced by Kanye. Right. So, but yeah, so by, was, by the way, shout out to D Dot, who is a legend in his own right. Man, D Dot showed us so much love. Yeah. Like D Dot was trying to sign us uh, back in the day, but he just didn't lock in on his distribution situation. Writers: Jermaine Dupri, Nasir Jones, Kanye West producing Kanye. I did not. What know. year was that? That's this this album, Life of Fortune. That's, that's ninety eight, dog. Nineteen ninety eight, bro. Yeah. You see how long we've been doing this? Long ass time. That's ninety eight, bro. Yeah, and that's the crazy part because when he got on, yeah, it was people saying that he sold his soul and he did all it. Man, that man was literally like when he said like same clothes for three summers, mm -hmm. bro. I was macking, so I would bring girls to the crib. 
Like when his mama would be in China or something, I'm bringing girls to the crib and Ye got on the same clothes for a week. <laughs> he might he might even be like a little musty. Right. <laughs> he don't care though because he in his zone. Right. He'll be working on the same beat for a week, bro. Right. I witnessed this shit through these eyes I've seen. And yeah. it'll be like, once he started on some shit, he just would not stop. It'd be like, hey man, we got girls. Hey man, we got smoke. Hey man, we got some drink. Hey man, we finna go here. He'll be like, all right. And then you just leave and he just yeah. still there yeah, doing it. Right. So I, I really watched him dedicate himself to his craft, man. So so then you so then that's happening. At what point is there like a yo, GLC is real, it's on, we popping. Do you eventually move out to New York? Or cause yeah. eventually cause everybody clicks up together, right? Yeah. So yeah. around the time, what does what does that happen? All right, so he moved out to New York in 01. Around that time, uh I still had uh, business ventures in Chicago, so Feel you? Feel I, I wasn't you? able to just move. We like keep that. we 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 keep everything non-incriminating here on the red pill. We don't do those interviews. Yeah, I was working a job. Yeah, we don't do those interviews where we go. So how much would nah? That's not us here. I love so that, I feel man. you. I love it. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, we don't. I love it. We don't, some guys try to get you on their interviews and make you tell all of your criminal shit. Not here. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. I'm a righteous man. A righteous man. Yeah. yeah so no, talking about some, maybe some jaywalking back in the day. <laughs> as far as <laughs> yeah, so he moved to New York and he was like, hey, man, I need you to come on out here. And I just couldn't do it at the time. You know, I had a girl back home and I had business. Yeah. So it was two years later. Uh, well, I actually the following year, he came home uh, to give some money to uh, this, this these families, because this is early on before any of the real fame. He was just making beats. He came home to give money to these families that were killed in this uh, this uh, building. It was called E2. It was a club in Chicago, and the fire department came, like spraying, like gas spray. People running, trying to get down the stairs, and people got trampled. People lost their lives. This mm. man hopped on a plane to come to Chicago and just give what he could and to assert his presence. You know, mm. like I'm here. I'm sorry to hear this. I didn't have nothing to do with it, but I feel this. This is like it hurts my heart too. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of him doing that, it was some guys there that uh, he had did business with, and the business didn't go too good, and they tried to get down on him. Mm -hmm. But I was there, mm. so it didn't go that way. Mm -hmm. We got up out of there mm -hmm. unscathed. A couple people got fucked up, but it wasn't none of us. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, and. Uh, it was kind of crazy that it had to go that way because uh, I felt as if the guy that he was working with was really talented. Mm. And I think that they could have really did something. And, you know, God bless his soul at this point, you know. Uh, he's, he's, he's transitioned? Yeah, he's made transition. Okay. But, uh, and I think he was a really talented guy. Uh, but I think that a lot of times the decisions that we make are based upon the influences that we have around. That's weird. So that's real. coming up from the ghetto in Chicago, man, you don't know nobody that's in the music business, but you may have people that just got all the opinions in the world. Mm -hmm. And their opinions don't come from a place of malice. It just comes from a place of ignorance because they don't have an understanding of what it is. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So they'll be like, man, you should fuck them up. Right. Or you should woo woo when he had just did work with Jay-Z. Right. I would have been like, shit, I'm finna fall in line with this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. moving. Because it's the way for me to get out my dream. It's moving. Right. Eventually, like, if we got a formula, if I did some music with you and you, you know, you and Jay-Z took it or whatever, y'all did it, hey, man, 
I'm going to be like, how could I get in? I'm not going to view you as an enemy and shit. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay. Because they had an understanding. And the understanding was simply like, hey, man, if this go this way, then I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do this. You cool with that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then when it was Jay-Z, it was like, oh, shit, it's Jay-Z. So right. that little situation took place. So it was a situation where a guy had done some work and then he heard it. He heard a whole rap. No, no, no. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have been. Like, well, no, 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 no. It was a beat and a chorus. Oh, a beat and a chorus. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Right all up and some shit. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah so so it was a beat in the course and the guy hears. And it's interesting with a situation like that because we're just starting to learn recently how collaborative hip-hop really is and everything's yeah. collaborative and stuff like that. But yeah. when you would hear it, for me, I look at that in, in two ways. This is how I look at it. If me and if I have friends on big platforms yeah, and sometimes you have a conversation with somebody mm -hmm. and you suggest an idea to them or something like that, and then you hear them say it, right? Right. There's two ways to look, look at that. Number one, every time I'm having a conversation with someone, you're sharing ideas with them. You're, they're making you smarter. You're making them smarter. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Yeah. So when something <laughs> sticks in their mind, yeah. it's now a part of them, yeah. and now they get to do it out there. What, what, I, what I say is that just makes me understand that there is a, like you said, there's a way for me to get ideas out to a great many people if utilized correctly. You, Absolutely. And But sometimes people, yo, that was my shit and blah, 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 blah. Collaboration is give and take on both sides. Absolutely, man, because if that was the case, like with Kanye's career, I would have been like, oh, man, but I knew exactly. Some people what, have done that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I know yeah. exactly what it was. It was yeah. a collaborative effort, and mm -hmm. the goal was to just get on BET. We just wanted to be on TV, man. <laughs> we just wanted to be on the radio. We right. didn't know that making college dropout and late registration would turn into Grammys and shit. Right. And like, damn near, what, like over three million albums sold on both of those. You know what I'm saying? We was we made that shit in the bedroom. Those, those albums sold way more than three million copies. Probably was five million, yeah, 10 yeah, million. Like, I don't know, <laughs> shit. We sold a lot, man. Right. So when you yeah. get out to New York, y'all yeah. work on college dropout and shit like that together? Well, yeah, because see, after that incident occurred, uh, man... Um, I, I left I left Chicago for a little while mm. but I, I would come back home and man it was uh, it was a little crazy but hot we, it was a little hot yeah I but we you. eventually got the situation resolved due mm -hmm. to the fact that uh, uh, Kanye and the guy they did a business agreement that I had nothing to do with but you know how it is when it's your friend whether mm -hmm. they right or wrong you gonna ride, ride with, with them. them that's your man mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying unless they doing some like really fucked up shit like, it's gonna be know. like I can't be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying but um, that situation got resolved uh, dude received some money mm -hmm. everything was cool you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. but prior to then man <laughs> you know you had the uh, self-preservation was yeah key. you was uh, on your, on your you had up on your on shit that, what yeah. song was this do you remember uh, the song was uh, I think it was Ain't no love in the heart of no, never change. Never oh that's a great song. Yeah, it was never changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a long ass long time, time ago. ago. So then so when y'all working on college dropout, mm -hmm. now is is this the beginnings of good music? Well, actually the beginning was when right after that incident, um I quit my job. You're like, yeah, now it's time to go full in. Yeah, I, I was hustling still. I was able to pay my bills, I had a nice little Cadillac, nice little money, things was cool. And then uh, Kanye was like, yo, I want you to come out here and go on this tour with me with Kweli. Mm. And that was 03. That was the Commons Electric Circus Tour. Okay. So we ended up going on that tour because Kanye had did just to get by 
for Kwali. That yeah. was like his biggest Classic record. Classic record. Yeah, so Kwali was like, yo, come on, you can come on tour with me. Kwali was really the the dude that was like, come on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Bonafide rap star at this point as well. Yeah, because still Ka- is. Shout out to Kwali. Yeah, because Kanye had momentum from uh Champions, that mm-hmm. song with Dame. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. he rapped on Jay Z's uh um, Blueprint too. He rapped on uh, uh what's it called? Don't keep the change, my nigga. Dude, it's too late for that. My nigga plays. This guy, yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he comes in on that on, on that joint. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now we got that going. Now we on tour with Common. Mm-hmm. We traveling, things moving. Kwali is allowing me to come out and perform on his sets. I ain't had no raps written. I'm just coming out free. <laughs> I'm coming out freestyling. Word. And the crowd going crazy. Shit, mm-hmm. Kanye was like, man, fuck that, man. We gonna start the label. Ooh, ooh, this and that. Right. I was like, yeah, let's go. So you know? were you the first? Were you the first act that he had on Good Music? Well, uh, he at that time he also had John Legend. And okay. He, and he had Consequence as well. Oh, yeah. Shout out so to Cons. So I, I believe that we were the first three. Right. Yeah. And, uh, man, we was on the road. Things was going real smooth. And Common embraced us and shit. And then the tour was over. After it was over, we was just in New York. Kanye was getting sessions booked, like working with Alicia, Alicia Keys. You don't know he my would, name. At this point, think think about any hot producer right now. Think about Metro. Think about Tay Keith. Think about any of these guys, right? Put that on times 15. Because yeah. it wasn't just in hip hop. Yeah. It was brandy. It was like like you say, Alicia Keys. Yeah. It was everybody. Ye was everywhere, man. Even Rick James. Man. Rick, he yeah. Rick James. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? He was everywhere, bro. Yeah. So he was on fire, man. So mm-hmm. Kaye at this time, when he would get these sessions booked by these labels for these artists, he would always show up early. And he would always be the last to leave. I'm wrong. It was the bounce he was on. The bounce. It was point, point out, out the, the bounce. bounce. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think I had to, like, 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 yeah. It was the bounce. It wasn't nigga please. It was the bounce. Yeah. So. And Kwali used to let him come out and perform that. Yeah. On like he'll let Kanye come out for maybe like 10, 15 minutes of his set. Yeah. And Kanye would do the bounce. Yeah. Do just to get by, mm-hmm. and he'll do a few other like little freestyles here and there. Right. And. That right there helped really build his confidence as far as performing goes. Right. And I just happened to be there and be a part of it. It mm-hmm. helped build mine as well. Right. You know? So we was moving. Uh, at this point, he would be the first to come up to be at the studio, the last to leave, because the artists were never on time for a studio session. It's just the way it went. So if you get there on time and the artist shows up two hours later, those two hours, you're not just in there ordering uh, vinyl or the food, you know, uh, mm-hmm. per diem and shit. You in there working on music. Right. Because it's going to be your session right. until they get there. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how the album was made off of other people's studio time in mm-hmm. at the crib. Right. Like the verse I did for Spaceship, I recorded it in a bedroom at the crib, and we were in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, right mm. across the water. Damn, Spaceship is a good-ass song, bro. Man, I had just got off the phone with my lady at the time. She was like, man, you out there in New York, yeah, if you that cold, then why ain't nobody sign you? That's why it wasn't my time. Right. Like, Shut the fuck up. Yeah. It wasn't my time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. It just ain't my time. You right. know what's coming? And then I was thinking about, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a real good friend of mine. His name is uh, Corey Gilkey. Lost and, my mama, lost my mind. Man, it's right here, bro. That shit real. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That, 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 that whole song is crazy, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so look, I, I was 
I had just got off the phone with him and he had told me he was like, man, so the owner of the company that I used to work for, he, he rocked with me. He was a good guy. Uh, Leonard Rothschild was his name. And I made a lot of money working for him and mm-hmm. with him. But he, Corey told me that he was like, yo, Lenny said when you come back to Chicago, he going to have a job for you. Like mm-hmm. I was going to go back to working in the mall. Right. Like, oh, he out there chasing that dream, but that ain't going to really, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where that verse came from. It came from people doubting me saying this, this, and that. And the song actually came from, I told Kanye, I was like, hey, man, I need a song on the radio. You know what I'm saying? In Chicago. Because that's all I knew at the time. I'm in New York City, number one market in the world. And I'm like, yo, all I'm worried about is Chicago. Right. Because it was all I knew. Yeah. So, Kanye, uh, we was listening to records. We came across the Distant Lover from Marvin Gaye. And he was like, yeah, this it. He made this shit. I went and smoked me a, uh, I think it was a Dutch master because mm. I was in New York. Right. Came back in, and that shit was done in like 30 minutes. Damn. Yeah. So at what point, so Ye Blows, yeah. biggest artist in the world, yeah. biggest artist yeah. in the world, um, biggest hip-hop artist in a long time, a new different type of hip-hop artist. At what point were you starting to think, yo, GLC's up next? Here I come. Oh, man, I felt that way after the first album and the fact that his mom used to always say stuff like, GLC is a star, baby. We ain't gonna put this album out. I love GLC. Like his mama was like one of my number Biggest one fans, fans yeah. you know. So I felt very confident. But uh, shortly after signing to Kanye, like a year later, Good Music folded because the distribution through Sony Urban, I think Sony had got rid of the Urban Music Department. Mm-hmm. So that left all the artists. We was just out there, like, damn, what are we gonna do now? People hear Good Music folded and they think. How did it fold? Good music still exists today. Well, it existed, but there was no uh, distribution. distribution. It right. was a brand. It was a name. We, right. we was on tour rocking, but we didn't have distribution. <laughs> right, right. We, we, you know, we was doing what we was doing, but we just didn't have an a outlet to let the music to put it through. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was from 05 to 06. And then, like in 2010, he restarted Good Music. I was out in Hawaii working with him on uh, the Dark Twisted Family uh, Fantasy. Fantasy album. Has there been a Kanye album that you haven't worked on with? Uh, yeah. So I didn't work on the last album. I didn't work on Yeezus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't work on those albums. Okay. Yeah, but... Um, as as this was going on, you know what I'm saying, we was growing. Things were going really well. I felt like, yeah, I'm up next. I had a video directed by Hype Williams. Oh, shit. The Drive Slow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah Drive yeah. Slow is a crazy dope song. Yeah, man. so that, that was cool, too. I was really mm-hmm. excited about it. But I still didn't have a push. I didn't have an outlet. Uh, and my loyalty was a motherfucker. I had people coming to me like, hey, man, you should come over here. We're going to do this and that. But my loyalty was to my friend. Yeah. But my friend, his uh, business sense at that point in his mm-hmm. career, it wasn't where it needed to be. He's also such an artist. And he's such an artist. He's such so an artist. So running a label and, yeah. and doing stuff like that. Might not be, yeah. You know, the a lot, art, a lot of, a lot of people have been through that with, with hip hop labels and stuff like that. The art came first. The art came first. You know what I'm saying? And that's why people got the product that mm-hmm. was. It sounded like the art came first. Mm-hmm. You know, and as time progressed, he restarted his company, and today, right now, uh, I don't know which way 
the label's going to go at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is not the first time because Kanye has so many different business um, businesses that he's tied to that it's like running a label as far as uh, his list of priorities, I'm not going to say that that's the highest thing on the list of priorities. Yeah, I mean, right now he's trying to save, seems like he wants to, he's doing everything, it, things are more, he's more social, politically minded than he's ever been before. Yeah. Um. So, for you then, mm-hmm. you know, at what point do you, because at some point you move back to Chicago, right? Right. Um, and then, is there ever a point where you go, forget about hip hop, I have to do these other things because we've talked a lot about some of the things that you that you do in the community. So do you say, fuck rap stardom. I'm not going to, I don't want to be a rap star. I don't want to do any stuff, stuff like that. I just want to go make music and be back at home. Was that the, 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 the mindset that you were in? Well, originally I moved from California and I moved down to Atlanta. And when I moved down to Atlanta, I understood what Dr. King was saying when he said he's saying a promised land. Because all the women out there was looking like <laughs> angels. They was fine as hell. I was like, damn, I cannot believe this. Right. You know, when they was trying to say he was cheating on Coretta, I understood. It was like, it, no, no, I'm just saying they was trying to say that. They was trying to say that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Dr. King today would be like a rock star. Yeah. Like with the notoriety that he had. The same way and, and people don't understand, like, you know, no disrespect to the Me Too movement, I understand. But, man, we get Me Too, too. Like, it be women in my DM. They talk to me like I'm a piece of meat. They just be trying to knock me down. I go out to concerts or the clubs, and they, like, trying to offer me drinks. I'm telling them I don't drink, but they trying to get me drunk to get me back to my place and, like, do it to me, you know? And I'm like, we get me too, too. I'm sure Dr. King was getting me too, man. But they was coming from all directions. They was coming from So he was like a victim. You know what I'm saying? Dr. King was a victim, man. It's like, you getting me too as a man. Like, it happens, man, but (laughs) nobody cares about us as men like because we got we get me too we got the power the women don't have the power as much bro they they don't have to shout out to sisters they're powerful women are very powerful but historically men have had the power and they've misused it without well well, i'll just say this as a heterosexual male Mm -hmm. i don't think there's nothing more powerful than a woman (laughs) women y'all is the shit they just gotta assert super powerful y'all super powerful just gotta assert that power yeah yeah use that power so you 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 come to atlanta you 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 come back and then you start dedicating your work at at this point are you and yay cool yeah yeah we're cool but we were more distant at this point you know he was uh doing what he was doing I was in Chicago working. I, at this time, I, I worked with Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. I was on Section 80 on Poor Man's Dream. I remember that song. Uh, I ended up working. That was, by the way, you were just, like, when you popped up, when you pop up on a feature like that, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, it's like when, 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 shout out to Top and, and, and Kendrick and all of those shout guys. Shout out to him, yeah. When, 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 when a, a feature like that just pops up, right, when I'm listening, when everybody is saying, yo, this is what sometimes what people don't understand. Yeah. I'm out here in LA, right? And I'm my, my hip hop credibility, I haven't like my hip hop, excuse me, my hip hop sphere of knowledge hasn't yet tapped into the West Coast sound. At that point I had been out in LA maybe five years, maybe four years. Yeah. So I'm still really checking for the same music that I was checking for before, just getting it at a longer distance. When you know? was in Louisiana. When I was in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still listening to everything that Ye's putting out and all the shit like that and all the shit from back home. Yeah. And I'm just starting to get into the hip hop that's coming out on the West Coast. 
and one of the first artists yeah. that I'm starting to get into is Kendrick Lamar. Because everybody out here is saying, you got to listen to Kendrick Lamar, Van, you love this type of hip-hop, you got to listen to Kendrick Lamar, you got to listen to Kendrick Lamar, you got to yeah. listen to Kendrick Lamar. And shout out to Problem and all of these other guys that I started listening to, and Menace and all of these dudes too. And obviously we had to listen to Game and all of those guys before, but the first new young guy, and when I look on Section 80, yeah. and I see that you're featured on the album, I yeah. go, oh shit, I know him. <laughs> I go, oh, GLC is on this song. Yeah. So really, as like you lit credibility in that moment. Damn, I'm on it. To Kendrick Lamar, like, yeah. cause, cause I'm thinking, oh shit. All right, so this is gonna be legit. This is a like a real. This guy makes elite level hip hop. This guy's part of uh, some of the best hip hop that I've heard. Yeah. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? It was crazy. Shout out to BJ the Chicago kid. Mm -hmm. BJ the Chicago kid mm -hmm. is one of the dopest. Fantastic. Singers of all time, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Mm -hmm. I love him. He's like a brother to me. Uh, he is how that happened. So he was in the studio with Kendrick, and uh, he said that Kendrick was in there talking about like who his favorite rappers were. Mm -hmm. And my name came up. Word. And DJ was like, yo, that's my man. Like, no, nah, that's my brother, brother, my real man. Yeah. He called me. He was like, yo, G, uh, Kendrick Lamar won't want you to uh, get Did on Did you know album. who he was? At that point, I never heard of him. Mm. But when BJ told me that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds cool, because I'm just shit for the culture. And then yeah. BJ vouching for you, it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So I told him, send me some links of his work, and I was blown away. Blown away. I thought that he, when I heard the name Kendrick Lamar, I thought he was probably like a singer or like mm -hmm. a jazz musician or something, you know? But when I saw him and I heard the music, I was just all in. So. I, I sent that record back after they sent me Section 80. I sent it back in about an hour. It was done. Mm. Yeah. Kendrick has some, because like, mm. even after Section 80, he puts out a song called Cartoons and Serial. Mm -hmm. And Gunplay is on that song. Yeah. And love Gunplay. Mm -hmm. You would not think that Gunplay sounds magnificent yeah. on that song. That's dope. Like spiritually on that song, Gunplay kind of gets you. I'm gonna listen to that shit on the way home. Yeah. And and um I am. That song is that's an amazing Preach. song. Yes, sir. And 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 Kendrick is always out the box with those features like that. So you get on that song and then where do you go from 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 there? Oh man. So I ended up uh I worked with Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, I had a record out called The Light. And it was the first time Bruce Springsteen had ever cleared a sample. It was like, Blinded by... Oh, like, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, I was all on TV and shit. Right. I did the uh, the big screen with Kanye. Uh, from that, I also worked with Yellow Wolf. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing like 400 features like, Damn. after that. So it was just like with local up-and-coming artists. Uh, Is this paying the bills at this point? Oh, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. It was definitely paying the bills. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was paying the bills. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, my brother had just took on a position at Chicago State University as mm -hmm. the head of the African American Male Resource Center. Mm -hmm. So when I came home, he was like, "Oh yeah, you a resource." He snatched me up. He brought me in. He was like, "Hey man, like, what does it benefit a man to rise if his community is left behind?" Mm -hmm. He told me that as a man who has garnered success from the arts that now I'm in a position where I inherit the role of a community father, not a stepfather, 
a community father. Like these are my children now. All the young, all the youth just coming up under me. So I worked with Chance the Rapper before he popped. I worked with Vic Mensa before he popped. I worked yeah, with Whitney Young kids. Greg Lanfair Jr., who is like an amazing a drummer. drummer. I mm-hmm. worked with him before he popped. Nico yeah. on the, the brass. Mm-hmm. Worked with all these guys way before they popped because I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is my duty. But mm-hmm. not only did I do that, uh, my brother started this uh, program called Teaching and Educating Men of Black Origin, Timbo. Timbo is uh, an acronym. I mean, it means elephant in Swahili, Mm. in the acronym I just gave you. The story comes from um, a story that was given to him when he was in Ghana, and he was over there with the Akan people and the Ashanti people, and they told him a story of these two little elephants. Mm -hmm. These elephants used to come through wrecking shit. They'd come through the village just eating everything, knocking shit over, taking a shit on your door, whatever. This is what they was on. So one of the farmers was like, man, we should kill these elephants. Then the other dude was like, nah, nah, nah. What we gonna do is we gonna take these little bulls, these little calves, and we gonna take them down there with the bulls where the male elephants at. They down there drinking water and shit. So they uh, led the elephants down there. They down there drinking waters with the, with the bulls. Then they stay there for like a week or two, just learning the ways of how men move. Mm-hmm. They came back to the village and all the carnage and mayhem stopped. All right. They just Examples. didn't, they had no example of what a man was. Right. So with Timbo, uh, working with my brother there, uh, in six years, the black male graduation uh, percentage at this university went from 4% to 24% Damn. in six years, mm. while also uh, having the highest African-American male student retention rate in the whole state of Illinois. Amazing. And it's on 95th and King Drive in mm. Chicago, the yeah, heart of the ghetto. Mm-hmm. And the school is thriving at this point. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was some changes that needed to be <clears throat> made. My brother came in. He dedicated his life to it. He made transition. And uh, after he made transition, the Rotunda and the African-American Male Resource Center, they both now bear his name. Mm. The Quasi Ronald Harris Rotunda, the Quasi Ronald Harris African-American Male Resource Center. Mm. The way that I helped was... He would always have me come speak on panels. Like, he'd give me books to read. Mm-hmm. I'll read the books. He wouldn't tell me, like, what he gave it to me for. Mm-hmm. Then he'll be like, yo, I'm having a panel with Anthony Browder. Mm-hmm. Anthony Browder wrote the Browder Files and uh, Now Valley Contributions to Civilization. He's also the only African-American in the history of the world to have an excavation going on over in Egypt where he flies people out multiple times a year. It's the tomb of Karakamun mm-hmm. in Egypt, and it's a black man excavated him and his daughter fantastic this is amazing so right he put me on a panel with this guy right and i'm like damn even that's powerful because we yeah because we think about black people's involvement in when you think about egypt and how those lands were pillaged and how that knowledge was stolen and taken to, to, taken to another place and passed off as another civilization's knowledge yeah. to, to know that uh, a black man is there doing care to the ancestors that live there and to their works and stuff like that. That means something. Absolutely. You know I mean? yeah. Absolutely. So what my, what my brother always, the way that we were able to do what we did at Chicago State, along with help from the God Squad, which is a f- phenomenal group of women that worked at the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that we were able to do it was simply he felt as if culture was the cure. Mm. A man who knows one of the most powerful things that a man could tell another man is simply let me tell you a story. The reason being, once that man has your ear, whoever's telling the story controls the narrative. He who controls the narrative simply determines the fate of all the characters that's involved. So the thing is, 
we tell our own story. Mm -hmm. We control the narrative. We teach you that your ancestors created the seven liberal arts. We teach you that there was a, a university in ancient Thebes or Waset that had over 80,000 students enrolled that taught the seven liberal arts before African people knew of any other ethnicity on the planet. Mm. We teach you that Imhotep was not only the first doctor, he was the first architect, he was the first astrologer, he was the first multi-genius. And guess what? He was your complexion. He comes from you. You come from him. You are nothing but the sum total of some great ancestor who walked on the continent over 40,000 generations ago. Word. That's who you are. Word. Yeah. So let's talk about Chicago. Yeah. If you watch the news and if you watch different things, Chicago looks like it's Fallujah. Chicago Absolutely. looks like it's... You literally see, and when I say literally, I mean, I'm not joking. Like, you literally see videos of dudes in Chicago with rocket launchers. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it looks, and it's a place to where sometimes the problems seem so overwhelming that from the outside, you don't even know where you will begin to help. First of all, is that perception of Chicago accurate? Well, I'll tell you this. It's very similar to what we experienced growing up in America in relations to Africa. When I was a kid, all I saw on the news was for a price of a cup of coffee, you could feed Lil' Kimbo and Mubu Famine, and their little sister. Yeah. And they got no shirt on, flies flying on them. They look like they starving. Mm -hmm. You looking at that shit like, man, I ain't no African. Yeah. I don't want to be like that. Fuck that. You tried to detach yourself from it. You feel lucky almost. That you <laughs> but you didn't, they didn't, they did not uh, publicize the fact that Africa has the most natural minerals resources. and natural resources yeah. in the world. Most of the world's black billionaires are there. Africa is where the original Garden of Eden was. Right. Akabulu land mm -hmm. is there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Africa is the source of how Spain got a plumbing system, a sewage system, and mm -hmm. knew, learned to take baths and, uh, you know, things mm -hmm. of this nature. This yeah. came from Africa. Right. But they never taught you that. Right. So you're looking at it like, I don't want to be no African. Right. They don't teach you that the that the um, the father of Greek philosophy, Pythagoras, mm -hmm. who says that, uh, you know, he's the father of Greek philosophy. You think of him, you think of Socrates, you think of Plato, and you're like, man, I want some smart motherfuckers. But if you look at the history, at some point they all were ostracized from society. You know why? Because they came with this infinite knowledge that they learned from these Africans in mm. Egypt and mm. shit. And they came yeah. back speaking that and it went against whatever the religious construct of these different regions were. Mm. They came with factual information. Right. You got the Dogon people that were able to see the Sirius satellite system and knew exactly where it was in the sky. And they didn't even own a telescope. Mm. They didn't teach you none of that. Right. Now, if I saw that narrative of Africa, I would have been like, hell yeah, yeah I'm yeah. African. That, that, that's you what, know what that, that is actually Wakanda right there. Yeah, so right. Chicago, right now you're sitting at the table with a guy who, uh, I'm the first time a hip-hop artist has, has had a dessert product in Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm in four Whole Foods back in Chicago. Oh, word. Yeah, the Inglewood one, the South Loop one. The uh, River Forest and also the Hyde Park Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. I got the number one. I'm the number one local selling vendor in four Whole Foods right now. Mm. I'm from Chicago. Right. I also designed the first historically documented landmark sign for the Inglewood community. 
I'm from Chicago. Yeah. I also helped open the first open enrollment arts high school in the history of Chicago, Diet. Mm -hmm. I'm from Chicago. Right. Uh, I won Grammys. I'm from Chicago. I, mm -hmm. I've done so much to help and give back to the community, but I'm from Chicago. So this is a different narrative. You know, you see. How many Grammys you won, by the way? Uh, two. Wow, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got two for uh, late registration as well as the college dropout. Damn, so you were saying, okay, the yeah, nice yeah. flex. Get your flex on. Yeah, you got to yeah. flex, Two, two Grammy Awards. When you, like, when you, when you, 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 you got to flex, though. Yeah, multiple, multiple Grammy nominations, though. You right. Know, but two times one. All right, you know so, so you were saying, though. So, so you feel like these things, these parts of Chicago, these things are underreported. Bro, we got Blue 14. What's the name of that? Blue 14? 16, Blue 1647, this is brother named Emil. He's teaching uh, young black kids about STEM, mm -hmm. technology. They, they coding and knowing how to make computers and shit, knowing how to do animation, illustration, and make applications. Young black kids, like from the heart of the ghetto. Even with diet, diet is an arts high school, but when you graduate, you'll have a whole semester of college under your belt coming from this school. We also met with the CEO of CPS because we want to expand this arts curriculum. But not only that, we want to expand uh, the trades back into the school system because mm -hmm. I understand that um, college is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. But if you have a trade, no matter where you are on this mm -hmm. planet Earth, you will always be able yeah. to eat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's very important. Something you know how to do that you can feed yourself with. Yeah, man. So these are the things that we're pushing for. And it's a lot of uh, just powerful people in the city that's doing well. Like my homegirl, she's running for Alderman. Her name is Renetta Greenleaf. She does things where she's feeding the homeless, putting on like basketball uh, camps for the kids and things of that nature. It's a girl named Inglewood Barbie. She's feeding the, the homeless people out of a police station, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, man, it's a lot of people just doing well in the city, man. And Why do you feel like the perception of Chicago is what it is then? Well, the thing is, as long as you can create that narrative, man. But why do they want? Why does that narrative? I get it that I, I get that things are, uh, and a lot of times people want to create a narrative. But is there any truth to to, to some of the things well, that well, we see? It's definitely truth to it. Right. And the truth stems from not only what you see. The, the, what you see is the actual tree. Now, let's talk about the roots so you can know what lies beneath, so you can understand why you see what you see. Mm -hmm. uh, so you go back to the Clinton administration, the Reagan administration, the Bush administration, and you think about how America has 4% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prison population. And you think about how there are over 2 million African Americans incarcerated right now. Mm -hmm. That's more blacks that were in slavery in 1850 mm -hmm. right now in 2019 right so you think about that a lot of those people that were snatched up were the men were the fathers sure of course the in-house authority figure that would right. be right there and be like hey that ain't we ain't, we don't do that over here mm -hmm. you know so this is how you do it son so you feel like these kids don't have that so they're kind of running wild to a degree well i won't say that they're running wild i would say that due to the fact of that being one. But another thing is, if I'm standing next to you and we sitting in class every day and you my man, and then one day we standing on a bus stop and you get shot in the head and you die, Mm -hmm. I got to go to school the next day and for that point on and just act like ain't shit happened and live happened. a normal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. guess what? 
when I hear the artist talking about I'm doing these drugs because they make me feel better, man, Listen. kids are looking for an outlet. Yeah. They self-medicating. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it's good. What I'm saying is we have to focus on building institutions to give them an opportunity to do other things to occupy their time. And hopefully that these things could be something that are of benefit. Mm. Like, man, I, we, we teach entrepreneurship. We teach knowledge of self. We teach uh, like a code of ethics, just a way to be in society, communication skills. Mm -hmm. And even like when you look at going back to the Me Too thing, man, it's a lot of issues. You, like. Think about, like, with the recent conversation of molestation coming up, right? Yeah. Think about, even though I've, well, when I was 16, I did have a 24-year-old nurse, and she was, like, representing for me real good. But if y'all want to call you. that molestation. She molested you. It's not, it's not no kind of. She molested you. Man, it felt so good. Shut up, dog. But <laughs> me too. It happened to me too. That's what I'm saying. But, me you, too. Hey, but you know what you know what's funny? Yeah. Is because of the differences uh, and what we perceive to be gender roles and yeah. what we perceive to be the roles and the power and the, the, the sort of victim dynamic between males and females. A lot of brothers would have stories exactly like that of a lot of brothers have um, were, have been taken advantage of by women and men. That's what I'm earlier, saying. And they, and they don't they, and they don't really discuss it. So check this out. You can't go to school and tell your homies or your teacher that last night while you was going to sleep, you was getting your balls tickled. You just can't have that conversation because right. if you be like, man, last night when I was at sleep, man, I was in the bed and then my cousin or my big sister, somebody came and tickled my balls. Mm -hmm. What you gonna do? Yeah, it's crazy. You gonna roast the shit out of me? Yeah, you about to get. In, I mean, in especially school, at that point, you about to get the drive put on you. Bro, yeah. in grammar school, they gonna roast the shit out you. So yeah. you don't have nobody to talk to. So you live your whole life with this shit just bottled trying up. Trying to deal that, trying to deal with that trauma in other ways. Bro, and social learning theory kicks in. Mm -hmm. If the first time you ever had some sex was a way that is considered abnormal, you know, like pedophilia or molestation, things of that nature. And you never had nobody to say, hey, Van, check this out, man. I got molested. Is there anything that you can tell me to make this right? What the fuck? You know, like, I don't know how to deal with this. Mm -hmm. You don't have no knowledge of it. And if you did have knowledge of it, you embarrassed. You're yeah. not finna be like, oh, I got my balls tickled, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, with yeah. that being said, you live a whole life with this shit bottled up. And then you may even take on the same characteristics of the person that did it to you. Mm. Bro, we dealing with a lot. We dealing with malnutrition. We dealing with like flaming hots with cheese and meat for breakfast. That's crazy. You know what that is? Yeah, I know. Fucking flame. You had that in Louisiana? Yeah. Flaming hots with cheese oh, yeah. and meat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, so you understand that that is malnutrition. Right. There's nothing in that shit. Your brain is getting no nutrients. Mm -hmm. This is your first meal of the day, mm -hmm. and now you got to go sit in the classroom yeah. and be able to retain that. Your body doesn't even have what it needs to synthesize the information the way it needs to. It's not running on the right fuel. Come on, man. All of these things, it, you know, the problems seem so big. They're not big. They're just specific. Like, and, and what I mean is there's, there's a specific problem with nutrition. There's a, a specific problem with discipline. There's a specific problem with all of these things, and they need to be addressed specifically, and Absolutely. they need to be compartmentalized. You need to have experts in all of these various things dealing with them. You can't just take, you, you, 
if, if you give the hood a billion dollars right now, that would be fantastic, right? But you can't just throw a billion dollars at all of these different things. You need people who understand this, the, the, the specifics or the sort of uh, fine strokes of all of these different problems and people who can address them. Absolutely. And see, this is the Mental thing. health experts, nutritionists. Yeah. You know, uh, all different. They're like, uh, you need people to deal with these things. Man, this thing about being woke. If you being woke and you got all this information about the system is against me, malnutrition, this and that, the Illuminati, whatever, you know, whatever's going on. And if you just have this information, but you do not alter your life mm -hmm. in order to reflect that you have this information, man, you're going to have a miserable life mm -hmm. because every day you're going to be depressed thinking about how everything is against you and shit. You have to put forth action. We just discussed malnutrition. So with that being said, I now I teach classes at Whole Foods in the Inglewood community. I got class at Whole Foods. Yeah, I teach classes it's, it's, uh, with this uh, company called uh, NHS, Neighborhood Housing Services. Mm. And what I do, I come in with this project with this lady named Rashana Baldwin. It's called Healthy Homes. So I come in and I teach people that you can have delicious vegan shit and it's not expensive as hell and I give them all the health benefits of the foods and I prepare it for You're them. You're vegan? Yeah. Alright, so that's going to be enough of the Red Pill Podcast right here. <laughs> uh, we'll, we appreciate you joining us, Jesse. Nah, go ahead. But you're a vegan now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dope. Yeah, 10 years. 10 like, years? Well, between vegan vegan and pescatarian for the last oh, okay. Year. I but see. the last two years straight vegan. Mm. So, uh, with that being said, I now offer an all-natural spring alkaline water that's being sold in the ghetto. That's not machine water. No mm -hmm. alkalides. It's not a reverse osmosis purified water. We have a spring in Wisconsin where we get the water from underground. It goes through a filtration process. It's bottled and then it's sold to you. Mm. Uh, and that's in the hood. You know what I'm saying? We also have, as I said, ism cakes, my vegan dessert. So my dessert is only eight and a half to 12 grams of sugar and it's only 200 to 220 calories. Mm. So it's low glycemic and low calorie and it's vegan and it's being sold in the hood. So Does it taste good? I'm the number one local selling vendor. In there you go. <laughs> That's the proof of concept. Right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I deal with it, bro. So, so I'm the type of guy, like, as opposed to saying what the problem is, if I'm not doing anything about the problem, I can't speak, speak. on the problem. So, like be I said. Be a part of the solution. You got to be the solution because we are the solution, man. As long as we are continuing to wait for others to do for us, mm -hmm. we're going to be waiting forever. Word. We got to do it. And we have Word. the power to do it. Mm. We are phenomenal people. We are resilient people. And, man, I'm a proof of concept that people say shit ain't been done before. It can't happen. But it's happening. Mm -hmm. Well, people will be like, this person is doing this. This person is doing this. This person is doing this. I want to do this, but they already doing it. Mm -hmm. Imagine if I would have had that mentality when I looked at the dessert game. Right. And I would say, Lil Debbie got desserts, or Intimus has dessert, or Eli has desserts, or Keebler has desserts. No, I got desserts, too. I got desserts, too. But, man, it's like this. Right. A little different. And now you'll see my shit right on the shelves. Right next to them. Well, I'm in a store that they shit can't they, even They, they can't even at. get in. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask you about, we're going to touch on two more things. I'm going to let y'all out of here. I appreciate yeah. you coming by. Appreciate you. But Larry Hoover. Yeah. So explain this to people because when we talk about narratives, mm -hmm. we talk about, uh, I had Jay Prince on the show. 
Love him. Shout out to Jay Prince. Honorable man. Uh, and <laughs> don't get no more honorable. Yeah. Um, much love to Jay Prince. Rap a lot. Everybody down there in South Texas. But Hell yeah. Um, Jay Prince was on the show, and Jay Prince talked about uh, the fact that he knows Larry Hoover, and the fact that he looks at his opinion of Kanye uh, can't. He had a positive opinion of Kanye. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. I can't even remember what he said. It was because Kanye was working to get Larry Hoover out. Now, we've heard Larry Hoover's name from different parts of the, of, the, uh, uh, of the country, and we've heard it attached to being a big deal um, in the streets. We heard it attached to being like, you know, he was, obviously there's the Rick Ross song, and he's mentioning the same, you know, breath with Meech and stuff like that. Now, obviously, if you're from the hood, you know that there's a lot more to those guys Oftentimes, they're not. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes dudes exploit the hood, kill a bunch of people, sell a bunch of dope, do a whole bunch of shit, then they die, they go to jail. It's always a mixed bag. You never know what someone's doing something for. It seems like, though, in Chicago, um, the reverence for Larry Hoover and the the respect for him has more to do, has, has it, it's not about anything on the streets. It's in a different way. He's an important figure. People look to him as an inspirational figure. They look to him as a very powerful figure. They look to him in a different way. So someone that's not from Chicago and doesn't have the intimate knowledge, if you were telling them why uh, Larry Hoover is so important or why you would see want to see Mr. Hoover um, released from prison, what would you say to them? Man, what I would say to them uh, is simply this, man. So you said that Larry Hoover name is ringing. Absolutely. Okay, so if I ask you uh, about the Kennedys mm -hmm. and I say uh, Joe Kennedy or Jack Kennedy, the father of John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. I would say bootlegger. Bootlegger. Street dude. <laughs> yeah. His sons became president. His sons became president. Well, yeah, his son he, became but he president. Made, but he made his money. Go, the, the, Joe Kennedy made his money. Running illegal alcohol. He was part of the Irish mob. Oh, part of the Irish mob. A yeah. dude that became mayor of Chicago. This dude named Daly. He mm -hmm. was the first Daly. Yeah. He was part of the Hamburgs, which was an Irish gang that extorted businesses and really hated black people. Right. Dude became mayor of Chicago from a street background. Mm -hmm. um, you look at, and even this is off off subject, but just to go back to the whole thing with incest, you have so many people trying to paint this narrative of this is a black issue, black families and this and that. But we live in a country where the president and his wife at one point was first cousins, the Roosevelt's. Mm. Like it was uh, Eleanor and uh, her husband was Theodore. Uh, mm. What was the other Roosevelt? It was two Roosevelt's that it was, was president. Uh, Theodore was president. FDR was president. Franklin. Franklin Delano. Franklin and Eleanor Delano, right. was first cousins. Is that real? Look it up. I didn't know that. First cousins. I thought, yeah. President of the United States and his first cousin was the first lady. Right. This is America. Right. And they say that it's a black issue. Mm -hmm. It's fucking crazy. Right. But to go back to um, the thing with You just wanted to throw that shot in at FDR in there. Just Shout out you. to him. But <laughs> I just got to lay you down with some facts and shit. You know right, what I'm right, right. But, but the thing with Larry is, man. So you look at Malcolm X at the age of 21. Malcolm X was a street guy. He was a hustler. Mm -hmm. He dealt with prostitutes. He was a stick-up guy. He yeah. sold drugs. Yeah. Um, man, you look at um, uh, what's my what's my the the poet 
she don't play. She passed. Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. She was a prostitute, prostitute. at that mm-hmm. age. You look at that and you like, damn, what if people would have condemned them and just left them right there where they were? Yeah. Larry Hoover Charlemagne was. Charlemagne says this. Char- Charlemagne says, shout out to my brother. Charlemagne says, you have to let Malcolm Little become Malcolm X. Absolutely. So he says, in this era, we hold people's past to, to, to hold against them. You got to let. We might have never got Malcolm X the way we hold people's passing. Yeah, and right the now. thing with Malcolm Little, Malcolm Little was a young man who was engulfed in the culture already because he was born with two parents that were Garveyites. Mm-hmm. They were part of the Black National Movement. Well, they his, they, yeah, they his was with was that. Killed for it. He yeah. was killed for it. So yeah. that's what he came into, due to the fact that his father was so powerful and was for it. They killed his father. Yeah. His mom went insane. She went. She lost her mind. He got shipped away. Yeah. And when he got shipped away to Boston, he embraced the street life. Mm-hmm. And from that point of Malcolm Little, he became Detroit Red. All right. That's when he was gangster. Gangster. Yeah. Then from there, he became Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And then from Malcolm X, El Haj Malik Shabazz. Yeah. And some people think that's where it stopped. Mm-hmm. But when he went back home to the continent, they called him uh, Omawale, the child who has returned home, mm-hmm. because they understood that his intentions were pure for black nationalism across the globe. Mm-hmm. Larry Hoover is a guy who came into a street organization who wanted to be the leader of a street organization. He accomplished those things. Uh, he got locked up for second degree murder at the age of 21. Normal uh, time served for murders like 25 years. Uh, Larry began to, after he read the book that was uh, based around the mayor of Chicago daily and how he switched his life up because he understood that uh, extorting businesses and being on criminal shit just wasn't the way. He was like, yo, we are really on blocks if we become aldermen, if we become politicians, if we take over the union, if we run the police force, if we become uh, firefighters and mailmen and shit like that. This is how you really run some shit because mm-hmm. you're controlling every aspect of the community, the food sources, everything that comes through your community, the people there, they are empowered. They run the shit. Larry inhaled, inhaled that knowledge, and when he inhaled it, man, he embraced it, and then he was ready to make some changes. In the midst of him wanting to make changes, he organized 21st Century Vote, which made young black men who never had the desire to vote was like in the streets, like, fuck that, I ain't voting, that ain't for me. They wanted to register to vote. He helped get Bill Clinton into office. He, he asked... Um, for all the gang leaders from across the country to come to the overhaul office in 1992. Clinton came with some shit called street reform. Larry sent his best friend, uh, Gator Bradley there to sit on this board. Now the Clintons was like, yeah, this is going to help. But we really got bamboozled because we got the three strikes law and shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But Larry had a, a pure intention. His intentions were good after the mayhem. If a person does wrong, you don't think that there's ever a time where they can realize, yo, I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Now I need to do right. I've done wrong. Look at all the right shit that I'm doing. I'm a proof of concept that the shit works. Malcolm X is a proof of concept. So I feel like with Larry Hoover, he's not coming home to be a gang chief. He's coming home. We plan on uh, giving him businesses, put him, put him in play, give him his own factory, where he'll be able to hire ex-cons and former gang members and show them, like, look, man, this is where the money is. This is what you need to do. Make a transition. This right here will help you earn a living to take care of your family, to own real estate as opposed to being a renter or somebody that's leasing a property. You become a homeowner. You build a legacy for your family, and these are the shoulders that they'll stand upon. 
I think Larry is the perfect proof of concept for that. He's been locked up since 1973. Um, and he is 400 years fair time, 200 years state time. That shit is crazy, man. Mm. He's got more time than a Unabomber, uh, Ted Zazinski and shit. And he's mm. locked up in the same prison that he in. Supermax. That's fucking crazy. Larry ain't, he's not that. And he ain't coming home to be no gang chief. If anybody, this is why Malcolm connected. The Chicago need Larry Hoover to come home. Absolutely, man. Because this is why Malcolm X connected so good and made brothers like Louis Farrakhan and all these guys want to join the nation. Mm -hmm. Because he was from the streets. He understood. He knew how to talk to them. Yeah. And he was the true essence of reform, which is simply a change for the better. And that's what this 68-year-old Larry Hoover aims to do when he comes home. Hmm. Word. So, man, god damn, man. I got, I got two things to say. Number one, yeah. how come you don't get sit yay down and give him all of this goddamn knowledge? Because you, he, be yeah. all, he, he, he misspeaks a lot. You you encyclopedic with this shit. Like if he yeah. got people around him like this, I don't understand how he says such crazy shit, dog. Well, well this is the thing, man. He's his own man. Mm. And people tweak. Sometimes he tweaking. You right. know what I'm saying? Like I will give him, I will arm him. Just like when he went to the White House. All the the all the news showed was the hat, the hat, the hat, and him hugging Trump, like, oh, I love you. That's all shit that I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have went up there doing all that. I wouldn't have wore the hat, but I'm me. He's him. Mm -hmm. The good thing about what he did was he spoke about jobs coming back to America. Yeah, he, he did. He spoke about reforming the school system. Mm -hmm. He talked about uh, prison reform, mm -hmm. uh, no stop and frisk, which is something that goes on in Chicago anyway, where you could just be walking down the street. Police would be like, he might be a criminal. Then Which they seeks just, to assign criminality to young black men. Uh, it's just a disgust, excuse me, not mm -hmm. to young black men, to predominantly black and brown people. Stop and frisk treats people like criminals that aren't criminals. And he spoke against all this shit. Then I seen people saying, man, do he realize that the person he's speaking to is the main person that's on the other side? Well, with that being said, I would say that if you speak into people that see the world the same as you do, it ain't even no need for the conversation because you, you don't have to change their mind. They get it. You could mm -hmm. be like, hey, no stop and frisk. If you get it, you'd be like, all right, I'm with that. Is there a point, though, to where it's futile to talk to someone? I get what you're saying. We have to have people that are willing to go. I don't have, I don't have a problem with that. We got to have the conversation with people that are on the other side. Right. Like, look, man, the shit y'all people is fucked Are up. all people on the other side the same? Meaning, isn't it some people that we just got to take them out the paint? By the way, when I say take them out the paint, I mean in a political way, with the vote, and with public opinion. I don't need the fucking Secret Service, nothing. It's politically take them out the paint. Do, do, you think that, do you think that a person like Trump can be reasoned with? Do I think that he could be reasoned with? Well, I know from the, um, the conversation that Kanye had with him, I know that uh, Larry Hoover's lawyers have been in constant uh, communication with the administration as far as helping push that thing through. I know that uh, the prison reform bill, it did take place even to the point where Trump had to fire the guy that wasn't with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, nah, we're going to keep this like this. He fired him. So I don't know the source of his uh, actions, but I do know that progress has been made as far as 
the little things. I'm not saying as a whole because, man, I just be looking at like when I look at Trump, I just be laughing because he just like he'll say shit like I, I gave her a name, I gave her a name, but I'm not gonna say it. Wacky Jackie, wacky. Right. He just be tweaking. Like when I be hearing him talk, that shit be reminding me of the lunchroom table at Simeon or yeah. being on the block because he just a roast and just say crazy shit. Yeah. But it's like, bruh. It's a whole nation that's standing on your shoulders right yeah. now. We need you to be on point. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, we appreciate the prison reform shit. We appreciate anything that was done to benefit the people. But as long as you're doing shit to go against the people, it's never going to be received. as long as you're empowering other people who um, seem not to care about us and, and seem to want us down. It, that's weak shit, bro. That's weak shit. So let me ask you this. Last question. You're Kanye West's friend. You're a collaborator. Yeah. You're in your own right. Uh ridiculously talented MC writer yeah. creator um, and ability. I'm out here working with no idea on my new album oh yeah, let's yeah, gotta yeah. talk about that ism yeah. like yeah um, um, do you care if people like Kanye West do I care if people like him uh, so I'll tell you how my mind works cause I, I'm be honest with you it's at certain points it's hard to like him Understood. You, you, you know what I mean? And we loved him before. I'm a, I'm a man of understanding, so trust me. Right, I at certain get it. points, it's hard to like him. Do I you, get it Do you 100%. care if people like Kanye West? Do I care? Uh, well, due to the fact that I've reached this supreme level of inner peace, mm -hmm. I don't allow anything outside of my inner peace to hold bearing over my happiness. Mm. I determine what I care about, what I give energy to, uh, what's to come, because mm -hmm. I'm in total control. So with that being said, just due to the fact that I love him and he is my friend, uh, I would like for him to be more receptive to the information that I give him so that he can move accordingly and navigate. I feel like that if you're having conversations on issues of uh, helping the black community or the low income community or the brown community, man, you got to go all out with that shit. You can't do it uh, and also be in a uh, under the perceived pers uh, pers the perception of you rocking with the other side. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you. that shit just ain't going to work. Yeah. Uh, my thing is I love him and I want to see him get to a point mentally because mentally, man, he is focused on like, you know, healing because he's going through a lot. Uh, I just wish that he would be more in control of his emotions from time to time. Because, yeah. man, he like even working with that lady, Candace, what's her name? Candace Owens. He came out and was like, I didn't design that. Mm -hmm. I didn't do none of that. But due to the fact that you said you like the way this woman thinks, it's like they align you with that shit, man. Gave you a license for her to, to say, know. yes, he's yeah. with me. But he never was. I was there. He never was with her. He had conversations with her. He brought her around. He brought her in here and he, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean what, what I'm saying is. He was never a part of that movement. He wasn't a part of that movement, yeah. but he was had her around in order to uh, listen to her perspective. Yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I, I would like for people to like him more. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But um, if they don't, they don't. Man, I, my aim is to get him to a place where all the things that people loved about him could just be rekindled. Yeah. You know, where the passion that he spoke on liberation and the passion that he had for reform and growth and development for our people and how he wore that shit, man. I would love to see that again, mm -hmm. you know, but um, like I say, I was away for some time. He's Not my you. friend. Every time I'm with him, I'm giving him information, mm -hmm. but I can't say 
hey, motherfucker, you're going to use this information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah, what I'm no, saying? I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, last question. You're working on a... Um, you working on a uh, album with uh with a uh, with, with, with no ID. First of all, no yeah. ID is a legend. You guys all know ID. If you don't know who no ID is and you listen to my podcast, man, that's disappointing to me that you even listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know who no ID is. Yeah. Uh, no ID, amazing guy. Let's say you and no ID in there and you working, no ID cooking it up, right? No ID. Oh, y'all in there, y'all in a groove, right? Y'all getting yeah. all y'all songs together, y'all getting y'all features yeah. together, you know what I'm saying? Y'all calling me because I'm gonna get a, a feature most likely. Yeah, 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 hell yeah. And and then <laughs> and then um yeah. <clears throat> No, I, you get a call and it's Drake. Yeah. And Drake says, yo, I fuck with what you're doing. Yeah. Like, I would want to be on your album. Yeah. Would you give Drake a feature? Man, Drake, one of my favorite artists. What I would do, I would say, yeah, I'll work with him. But I would also, aside from the business part of it, just for the love that I have for my friend, mm -hmm. what I would do is uh, I would try to put together a meeting or a conversation that they could have. So they, he, they, they'd have to have a conversation first. Well, I won't say that their conversation will dictate how I move. What I'm saying is that they need to have a conversation just due to the fact of I always felt as if it was really weak, man, when I see black man being successful. And once you reach a level of success, you find another black man to be your opposition. Mm. I never liked that. So Just I, on the strength you would want to see him, yeah. Yeah, because I'm not against Drake. I'm not against Ye. I'm not against nobody that's black that's getting money because I look at that as something that we need to see more of. Mm -hmm. And if you getting money, I'm going to salute you and I'm going to hold you up yeah. so that whoever follows me or believes in me or looks at my perspective, they could look that, look, man, this is black excellence. Hold it up. I don't like when I looked at I saw Nicki Minaj and Cardi B having issues and I saw the Internet was eating it up. They was like, yo, look at these women. They into it. Man, I just want to see them do good. I don't I'm totally unaffected by other people's success like it, it doesn't bother me like when I see other people do good especially when they black because I look at it as okay so several other ethnicities when kids turn a certain age they might get 500,000 a million dollar trust fund mm -hmm. this is a situation where our families can catch up you know, because yeah. we didn't have shit to inherit. In Chicago, we had unfair real estate licenses and shit where if you came from the South during the Great Migration and you bought a property, you had to sign a contract that said that you agreed to pay this amount, but you didn't know that this amount was three times the amount of mm -hmm. what a white family would be paying for the property. Yeah. My thing is, man, I, 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 I'm just not with genocide. I don't want to um, make people think that it's cool to look at another black man as an enemy because by the time I was 18 I went to 16 funerals man yeah. and these were all teenagers these were all my friends so why would we recreate that that whole dynamic once we get some money I don't want to be into it with no motherfucking man especially if they black I want to figure out okay you're getting some money over there I'm getting some money over here is there any way we could do business together Build, and get something together? make it bigger yeah and then with that we can hire more people and it's more jobs and more legacies being created. I'm mm -hmm. not going to look at you if I had a podcast and be like, this motherfucker Van got a podcast. Fuck Van podcast. Oh, watch his shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Watch it. When? Right. Listen to Drake. Listen to Ye. I don't have a problem with that shit, man. Mm -hmm. Because I'm at home dealing with real issues. It's people in my city being killed over stupid shit. It's drug addiction going on. Like the shit that you see on the news, that is happening. But it's not the whole city that's like that. Mm -hmm. My thing is, 
I have issues at home that need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. So what's more important to me? A young black man dying off of drugs and shit and gang violence or uh, uh, internet beef or what's going on with Drake and Kanye or Cardi B or Nicki. All these people are rich. They're rich. Or, man, somebody told me recently, like, man, I hate LeBron. You hate LeBron. You black, right? Yeah, man, he be flopping. He be doing this. He be doing that. I say, man, how the fuck could you hate LeBron? And this man and bought a community and made it for built low income housing and built a school and put motherfuckers gave through kids, college. Gave, gave, kids, gave kids bikes to get to school. Gave their parents food. Gave their parents job training. Yeah, bro. Paid for their school, their college. Yeah. It's impossible not to like them now. That's Willie Lynch, bro. Like, I'm going to hate you because you taller Shout than me. Shout out to KD, too. Yeah. this and that. Like, that's bullshit, man. Anytime when you see somebody of color doing anything good, salute them. Mm. Hold them up. And don't look at them and be like, man, if I had it, I'd do it like this. Or they doing it wrong. Focus on what you need to do. And if you see somebody that's successful, don't make them your enemy. Don't debate with them. Learn from them. Like, motherfuckers mad at Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy was telling the truth. He was. Soldier Boy is why I was able to still make money without being on world tours and shit. Mm-hmm. He kicked off the internet, and he had a real Gucci bandana, Gucci headband. On. Right, that right, shit right. Was, I was proud of. Him, right. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. yeah, bro, I just salute Black excellence, man. And we salute you, bro. Yeah. We only got one white person left in the room, and he's gonna uh, clap for GLC right now. Yeah, I also yeah, have to yeah. go work, bro. Listen, man. Tell you why I appreciate you, bro. Always got a word for me. Love, bro. Whenever I call him up, yeah. always got a word for me. Me and this dude have had two, three-hour conversations yeah. that has gone. If y'all think he got deep today, y'all don't know this brother. This brother will take you back to the beginning of your civilization. <laughs> when is your album coming? My album coming as soon as we wrap it up, man. <laughs> hey, 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 we looking for between February and March, man. Okay. I also came out here because I just ventured into the marijuana business. Okay, that's yeah. a good business to be in. And uh, I'm also out here shopping a film with my director buddy, Joseph Chopin. Joseph, say something to the people, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. We're working on this uh, film that's based on uh, Harold Washington, who was the first black mayor of Chicago. Mm. It's called For the Greatest Good. We, this is documentary or or, or, or what is this a, a scripted narrative? Man, this man wrote a 300 page script, man. He played. Nice. <laughs> cut that down a little bit, bro. <laughs> that's what everybody like, 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 yeah, yeah, said. Yeah, cut that down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if they're going to make the 300 minute movie right now. <laughs> cut it down. All right, all right, all right, all right my G. Love, right, brother. Peace, Love and bro. respect, man. Right, man. Appreciate you.